all witnessed something incredible in the last month when we saw the number one team in the country, University of Virginia, get upset by UMBC, a 16th seed. It changed uh, the history of the NC2A March Madness tournament forever, uh, a one losing to a 16. But when you know about uh, the reasons why and you know about UMBC as a team and Ryan Odom as a coach, you'll easily understand and he'll explain why it all happened. So back in a minute to visit with Ryan Odom, UMBC. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional scouting reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Ryan Odom, thank you so much for joining us on Coaching You Podcast today with the Coach Brendan, sir. And, you know, your dad and I, I've been friends for years. Actually, your dad and I used to work at Duke University Camp when he was a coach at Durham High. And that was about three years before you were born, my friend. So that <laughs> that, that sets the background. But uh, he and I have been dear friends for years, and uh, I value him. And uh, so I knew all about you guys growing up and stuff. And as uh, – David and I remain friends, but as I'm watching you uh, coach in the last month, uh, I'm saying that what a thrill for your dad and your mom. You know, what a thrill for them to be able to watch you. I think that is so cool, Uh, especially being the son of a coach, correct? Yeah, no question. And and certainly, uh, although I was too young to remember uh, you know, I was born in Durham, but I was too young to remember kind of everything that went on during that time when sure. dad was the coach at Durham high school. You know, he often speaks fondly about, you know, his time there and how that kind of set him off, you know, on his own, you know, uh, path, you know, for, for, you know, what eventually took him to Wake Forest and South Carolina and all these great, great places along the way. But, um, you know, he speaks, you know, just as fondly of his time at, at Durham High School and, and going over to watch you guys practice and being around, uh, you know, the staff there, you know, at, at Duke um, with the, the Hall of Famers, you know, that, that honestly were, were around that program at the time. Just as fondly as that as he does about, you know, his time at Virginia and Wake and, and South Carolina and playing in all these big games and coaching all these great you know, great kids. So, uh, you know, um, what a, what a special, 
what a special relationship that basketball can bring. Yeah, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm um, I'm a college student at the time uh, in New Jersey, and uh, one of my, my friends, even though he's four years older to me, is Mike Fratello. And yeah. Mike Fratello and I... And I played for UB Brown in high school. And so, and we had another guy that was a buddy of ours from Jersey named Brian Hill, who later became the coach of Orlando Magic. And, <laughs> and the three of us would jump in my car as a college sophomore that I had. And we would drive from Jersey to Durham. And it was the best two weeks of my year because UB let the three of us work at Duke's camp. And that's so, yeah. that's when I meet your dad. And, and, we forged a bond, the three, you know, your dad and Mike Fratello and I, and that brought him to the five-star camp and allowed him because we all worked at five-star. And it was this whole group of coaches that started working at basketball camps that later went on to do neat things later on. Yeah. And, it's, and you know, Patino's in that, Seth and Brad Greenberger in that, uh, <laughs> you know, and and it and it just is fantastic the what the journey that we all took uh and so you know i value those times and uh you know and you know who would ever think for a kid from jersey going to durham would be fun for two weeks you know but for <laughs> me it was a highlight you know and uh jerry west was a player still for the lakers and he would come and ub would it would get him to come and speak at the camp calvin murphy they brought in to speak he's a college player at niagara and you meet all these guys and you say wow this is something special but <laughs> basket you know the way you you, you learn basketball now and the way coaches get into coaching now is a totally different thing you know your assistant Nate Dixon and I have been friends because of his relationship you know through you know Florida and stuff like that when I would go yeah. and do some stuff there so it, it, it's a fantastic thing but the young people and the, and the coaches that are listening I think it's important that they understand you know when they get to see you coach on CBS on a Friday night it wasn't that easy to get there was it <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't, you know, and, you know, everybody, you know, takes their own path. And uh, mine was certainly a little bit, a little bit different. You know, I wasn't a great player coming out. So, I mean, that's, you know, my, my passion for the game, you know, uh, you know, was started at a pretty young age. I mean, I, sure. I kind of was born with the ball in my hand and, you know, being at the practices, you know, at the time, you know, when dad was coaching, I mean, that was the life he chose. Could have been a car dealer, mind you, but but chose to go away from his dad's uh, business and uh, chase his passion, which I think is a great you know is a great lesson for anybody out there, especially a young coach that's listening. You know, maybe you think your path is supposed to be set and go this way, but in fact, you know that's not really what you want to do. You kind of go with your gut and you pray about it, and you end up chasing something that's the the unlikely thing. And uh, the thing that everybody kind of tells you you probably you shouldn't do and can't do, and uh, Dad certainly was a, a prime example of that. And uh, you know he chased what he loved and uh, wasn't ready to give it up. You know I was a little bit different. You know I loved to play. I didn't I didn't know that I wanted to coach until you know later on when it was time for me to give up playing. Sure. And uh, you know I I played Division three and had a great experience. You know work playing for coach. Coach Shaver, who's now the, you know, the coach at William and Mary, terrific coach, and uh, you know, met a ton of friends there that you know I've stayed in close contact with, teammates and and friends there at the school, 
And then, uh, you know, decided to, you know, follow in, in my, my father and brother's footsteps because my brother was a coach at the time and about six, six and a half years older than me and was having a ton of success in coaching and enjoying it. And, uh, so I chose to, chose to follow them and, and coach Greenberg, as you mentioned, you know, gave me that first opportunity and, and then another opportunity at Virginia tech and, uh, you know, it was just, just a tremendous, it's been a tremendous, you know, journey for me. And, uh, you know, one that I never actually worked for my father. And, uh, so Isn't that's that just one thing yeah. and, and I, I can't call it a regret because I definitely don't regret my path. I, I've been very, very fortunate. The only thing I regret is that we didn't have that time together, um, you know, to be able to, to, to do the, to coach this game, you know, together on the same staff, that would have been, you know, pretty neat. I think we both, you know, uh, you know, would have had a great time with that, but we're, we're doing it, you know, the, the best way that we know how, and, and it's, it's, it's been really, really fun to have, you know, uh, the roles reversed a little bit now and, and dad, to be able to kind of watch from afar and, and cheer us on and, and while still being able to connect with our players and staff and everybody here at, at, at UMBC. Well, I know, knowing your dad so well, I guarantee you he's coaching you after every game and, you know, every time <laughs> yet knowing, and that, and that as a parent, uh, is something that is fabulous and yeah. to be able to, no and question. so I think in a way, uh, it might even make your relationship even stronger in that, you know, that he shows how much he cares yet at the same time, you're not working for him, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and I think it, it's so good that, you know, you guys are having that, this opportunity to do that. Uh, I'm going to ask you an interesting thing I thought about when I knew we were going to do this uh, conversation is what, what was a harder game for you trying to, win at Vermont or play Virginia? Wow, that that is a tough question. I mean, I, I will tell you the emotion of, you know, winning the game at Vermont, mm-hmm. you know, was much higher, you know, than, you know, winning the game. And most people yeah. out there will probably say, that's crazy. No. Um, but the emotion of winning that final game on the road against, you know, a team that has pretty much dominated our league. Amazing team. You know, was Great was coach. really, really special for our players. I mean, there's a lot of tears flowing around. I mean, oh, yeah. Kids just, just crying their eyes out, you know, after winning that game. And, I mean, we celebrated forever on the court, <laughs> you know, after that one. And, you know, to be able to carry that into the Virginia game, I think was pretty special. I mean, obviously, obviously we were overwhelming underdogs at that point, sure. but our guys prepared to win. I mean, I think there's a, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're at our level and you make the dance, that's kind of like the reward yeah. and, and you go in there and, and, you know, you're kind of the sacrificial lamb at that point. You want your guys to have fun. And, and certainly we did that. We, we had a ton of fun. But our guys had a different feel going into the game. I mean, they prepared in a way that was, you know, no different than any other game that we played all year. And they went in with an expectation to win, and then they their their confidence grew as they had more success within that game. And uh, and then you know, kind of the rest is the rest is history. But you know, I think as you approach games, you know, every they're in between the lines. Tony Bennett said it the best. You know, anything can happen, 
you know, once you choose to get in that arena and inside of those lines, there's nowhere to hide. And, you know, you're either going to make the most of it or you're going to let it swallow you up. And, you know, our guys did, a, did an amazing job within that game, within both games of yep. focusing on, you know, what was happening at the time and not worrying about what everybody else thought should happen. They wanted to try to make, you know, their own thing happened and and they really did you know in in both games you know uh, tony's teams tony bennett's teams at virginia were obviously they were the number one seed in the whole tournament but they were the best defensive team in the whole country so when you play a team that is a great defensive team and a great ball screen defensive team the best in the country i think uh how did you prep for that to figure out how the hell are we going to score you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the biggest, the, the thing, biggest think. thing for us was move the ball as fast as you can move it mm-hmm. and, and make decisions as quickly as you can. They're, they're going to they're gonna know exactly, and doing things that are a little bit unorthodox, because they're going to know exactly, they play it the same way, and they know exactly what they want to do. They're well-schooled, they're well-drilled, and, you know, they step out on those ball screens and... You know, our thing was drag those big guys as much as you can, but get it out of your hands because you're getting two on you for a second. Yep. And then when the ball comes to you out of that doubles, call it a double or a hard hedge, whatever you want to sure. call it, you're going to have to make some shots um, that are guarded, you know, if you want to have a chance to, to, you know, score baskets on them. Because as soon as they get back, they're going to stay in front of you. Yep. That's just what they, that's just what they do. And and then the second thing was, you know, taking the right shots in transition and not being afraid to knock it home when you do get a stop, you know, because they're excellent in defensive transition. They send four back, one guy to the glass. And it's amazing how many times that one guy will get a rebound on four. <laughs> so we, we showed our guys that over and over again. Look, here's that. Wilkins, here's Salt, you know, rebounding the ball one on four. How about that? And so we can't allow that to happen. And our guys did a great job of not giving up offensive rebounds. And, and you know, when we do that, you know, our team's pretty good in transition. I mean, the little guys running it up the court, blowing it up the court. You know, Jarris, you know, when he got it, you know, it was tremendous in transition because he can just – he knows how to score. And, uh, you know, we tried to space the court and, and get clean looks before they could get set. And uh, – you know, certainly in the second half, I think you saw some of that, you yeah. know, coming to fruition. It's incredible. I mean, to think about, uh, if I'm not, ironically, uh, you know, that in the second half of that game, I believe he scored 53 points. Am I right in that, roughly? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's 53. what they, and that's kind of what they give up for a game. Yeah. No, I mean, I was worried the night before. I'm thinking, okay. They've held this team to 36. Yeah. They've held this team to 49. They've held this team. Yeah. Like, these are all like top 20 teams, some top 10. And so I'm thinking, are we going to be able to get to 30? Against them? Yeah, no, and and that's that's why I always say I, when I worked, I, I was an assistant coach along with another assistant coach uh, with the Atlanta Hawks when Mike Fratello was the head coach, Willis Reed. And Willis yeah. is an incredible person, and and I always looked at Willis when he was playing as a defensive stalwart, great rebounder. And he said to me one day, he said, "Brendan, the only way you win in the playoffs is you got to outscore the opponent." And I'm like, "Going, yeah, yeah." And he goes, "No," he, he says, "It's not about stopping; it's you got to outscore them to win." And I, and you know that's why I think a lot of coaches in college now we prep so much 
All we worry about is what the other team does. And we forget yeah. what the hell we have to do to score. Yeah, you got you to gotta put the ball in the bucket. <laughs> and and know, so uh, that's why, you know, if I'm playing Virginia, I don't know how the hell I'm going to score. I don't because I have that much respect. And I'm glad that you said that because that's an amazing part of it. And the, and the how, what do you think happened at halftime uh, in analyzing it now? What happened to allow you to get 53 points? Now, you know, cause well, yeah, I mean, I think I think what what happened, you know, was was pretty simple. I mean, I'll go back a little bit because sure. you know I was I was kind of the opposite. You know, Dad, you know, I, I'm an offensive coach. I mean, that's kind of who who I am. And you know, from Lenore Ryan to now at UMBC, you know, the first two years as a head coach, you know, I kind of not made my name, but that's just that was where my focus was. That's what I like. I love offense and, you know, I watch it all the time and I love guys that can shoot the three. That was something that I did when I was a player. So, you know, I'm definitely an offensive lean kind of guy. And, you know, dad, obviously his influence in the last, you know, three years, you know, since I've become a head coach, he he said, you you know, you got, you got this offense, man. You're doing a really good (laughs) job of coaching your team and they're very confident and they know when to shoot and when not to. They know the, the you know when to pass and when not to. He said, but the next step for you is you got to become a much better defensive coach because you're not you're not where you need to be in that category. And so prior to this season, you know we we showed our team you know the the you know we went through the stats you know the Ken Palm stats sure. of the best offensive teams and the best defense defensive teams combined. And, you know, as you as you look at it, the top 10 in the country, they were well balanced on both sides. Maybe they weren't one in 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 defense and one in offense, but they had a very, very good balance. My teams have been pretty imbalanced. You know, they've been really good on offense and defensively have been pretty bad. And so our goal this season, you know, you know, as you look at you know, we looked at both the nation, and so that was pretty much, you know, final four teams, you know, the top, final top ten teams. And then we looked at our individual conference, and we were very good on offense in, in the nation and very good. We were number one in offense, you know, on uh, in our conference. But defensively, we were down near the bottom. Mm. And so we felt like if we could figure out, you know, the defensive side, of maybe we sacrificed a little bit on offense, and we raise our, our defensive field goal, you know, or our percentages on defense, then, you know, we'd have a chance to win more games. And, you know, certainly our guys bought into that. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where, where we really, really improved. And, um, you know, I think at going back to what your initial question was at halftime, you know, it was 21 to 21. So, I mean, I was happy we got to 20 on, you know, at half. <laughs> so, I mean, from an offensive perspective, and we missed a few shots in the first half, and so did they. Um, you know, they missed quite a few contested threes, I felt like. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we did feel pretty good where we were at offensively, and we certainly felt good where we were defensively. So our guys going out of halftime were pretty confident, felt like if we could make some shots, make some that we had missed, that we were going to be okay. We'd at least be able to stay in the game. And, you know, that certainly was the goal, stay in the game and have a shot, mm-hmm. you know, at the end. Well, what ended up happening was, you know, you know, we had an amazing half, you know, offensively. Our defense continued to be stout, and we, we limited them to one shot. 
And then our offense really got going in transition. And that's kind of where, you know, it broke open. And uh, the start of the second half was the key for us, though. We got a couple of easy baskets, and then the confidence began to grow. So, I mean, and then and then they get, and then the oppo- and an opponent gets tight, say. and then the opponent gets tight. I think you know the pressure now yeah. shifts to them, of, and that's human nature, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. The game pressure, and then, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, certainly, uh, you know, in Virginia's defense, I mean, they were minus, you yeah. know, a guy that you know, had meant so much to their team and they had very little time to prepare. You know, right. Hunter, who's the sixth man of the year, all of a sudden wasn't available. And he had made some big plays for them. I mean, you go back and watch all of their games, the ones that were tight, he made some big plays. He and Jerome, you know, certainly Guy had made some huge plays for them. Hall as well, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to help them earn victories and foul trouble hurt them in the game. Hall was kind of a little bit out of sorts because he was in and out, you know, in the first half Wilkins kind of the same thing. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it was kind of the perfect storm for, for UMBC. Now, how, how does one, uh, handle when you win that game and now at the college level, you now have a day off, to get them and now you've just become a phenomenon your your team how do you handle that Ryan yeah I mean I I think you know just like we always do I encourage them to be themselves um you know without you know operating you know with an air of humility um you know I think that's really important Mm -hmm. you know obviously you win a big game like that the biggest you know in the history of the tournament there's a lot of folks coming after you and you know they want to be a part of what's going on and that's all good. You know, we, we want, you know, people to appreciate UMBC for what it's worth and, and, you know, what we're all about, you know, but at the same time, we understand, you know, uh, how hard it was to get to this moment and we don't want to tear it down by, by, you know, acting, acting out, you know, beating our chests and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, we're the best, you know, you're, you're, you th- there's two sides to what happened that day. You know, you had a team that was on an emotional high. You can't get any higher than we were. And then you have a team that, you know, in Virginia is probably on the the other end of that, an emotional low, who had big plans for that tournament and, you know, shattered dreams there. So that's that's what athletics is all about. And that's what sport is all about. And how you handle, you know, the highs and how you handle the lows will determine your longevity. And, you know, I thought our guys, you know, did a really nice job of that, um, you know, while appreciating where they were at, because I certainly wanted them to enjoy it. But I didn't want them to think that hey, this is all there is out there for you. This is it. You know, you're a one hit wonder and, and you know, the tournament's over. And, you know, I, th- I thought our guys did a nice job of balancing the two, having fun with it, being themselves, not being cocky, uh, but also you know, trying to win the next game because we were trying to make history in the second game too, because there's never been a 16, you know, in the second round game. So we were thinking, wow. you know, let's try to be the, the one team. Now that we're in this position, let's try to go one and oh for the 16s. That's and uh, that was our mentality. And I thought our guys did a great job of, of putting their best foot forward. It was the ugliest game possibly anybody could watch <laughs> from, from both sides. Uh, I actually was joking with coach Weber about that. Because neither team could really score, and uh, you know they did a great job of getting enough stops in order to to kind of you, know, you know put keep us at bay, 
you know, at the end. But I, I do think that our guys put their best foot forward and, and gave it a good go. Kansas State was a terrific team, incredible athleticism, and uh, one of the best defensive teams in the whole tournament, in my opinion, you know. And Bruce, as you mentioned, does a great job coaching. Talk about, uh, you know, as a coach where you're having, obviously it's the best moment of your young career, uh, and how Tony Bennett treated and respected your team afterwards. I thought that was the epitome of what coaching is supposed to be about. Absolutely. I mean, what a class act he is and his players are. I mean, no excuses. Uh, you know, all they did was compliment UMBC and our staff. And, you know, they're what's right about college basketball and athletics in general. Mm-hmm. And it starts at the top. You know, it starts with him, with Coach Bennett, and all that he's about. Um, you know, he – you know, he sets the tone, you know, for their program and, and has. I mean, he's he's done an amazing job. Obviously, the University of Virginia is a special place to my family from yep. dad spending seven years there under Coach Holland. Uh, so to see that, uh, you know, happen, um, you know, is really, really tremendous. I mean, he's, he's been national coach of the year twice already, you know, at, at UVA and won championships there already um which is not easy to do uh certainly and especially now in the acc how how tough it is i mean it's unbelievable you know how many good teams are in that league it's not you know eight teams like it used to be you know back in the day or nine when florida state you know was added yeah 15 Uh, now it's yeah it's it's incredible i mean every night you know you're playing a team that you know basically is in the top 25 and, uh, you know, you've got to deal with that at home or on the road, you know. And, uh, you know, I think his balance, I mean, I think what you saw there, you know, how he handled that emotional low and is why they're able to win the way they're able to win because he's not he's not ever too high. He doesn't think too highly of himself and think that he's got it figured out. But he also knows that one game doesn't define him either or his program. And, you know, he understands there's, there's, there's something his faith obviously is a, is a huge part of that. And, uh, you know, I think it's a lesson for all young coaches out there, you know, going forward to, you know, don't let one game or one practice, you know, define who you are. Well said. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to Dr. Dish basketball.com or follow them on twitter at dr dish b ball talk to me about your style of play if if you, if you were recruiting me or i was a high school coach uh, of 
or parent of a prospect. Talk to me about your style of play uh, and and why UMBC and why your style of play is good fit for me. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a fun style of play because we play up and down. You know, there's a lot of possessions within the game when we play. Um, we're aggressive. We're aggressive on both sides of the ball. So we're aggressive on offense. We want to put pressure on you right away. Uh, when we're able to get a stop in transition, we space the court. Uh, I allow, you know, guys that prove that they can shoot, I allow them to shoot early in, in offense, you know, as long as they have room and rhythm. I'll take guys out of the game uh, that don't have confidence in themselves and don't shoot open shots um, that I feel are, you know, if you miss two in a row and I know that you can shoot when you don't shoot it, well, you're probably going to come out, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a little bit different than most, um, you know, because I, I want them to be confident. And that's the only way that you're that I feel we're going to be successful is if, you know, we believe in ourselves and, you know, we, we, I'm constantly coaching that. And, uh, that's really, really important to me from an offensive perspective, but they also understand pretty quickly what we're searching for. And, and so they, you know, you don't see very many bad shots out there. Like if they take one, they'll look at me right away and my bad coach, you know, pretty quickly because they know what we want. And I think our staff is pretty good at, at, you know, communicating that to our players. And then defensively, we want to, you know, put pressure, you know, on the opponent, certainly on the ball handler uh, without getting beat. And, you know, we want our other guys to be in, in, in help. You know, it was certainly in college, you're allowed to be in help more so than you are in, sure. in the NBA. And so we want to try to take advantage of that you know, while making the, the, the ball handler and the shooter uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, we press some, uh, certainly, um, we're not all over the place, uh, trapping and doing those sorts of things, but it is, you know, you've got to be ready to, you got to be in tip top shape in order to play, you know, our game at UMBC the way that we play. Ryan, talk about your uh, league, a very underrated league. I think, you know, uh, obviously we talked about Vermont being, I think consistently the last, you know, from even before John Becker, you know, has been one of the better, better teams in really in the country, uh, yeah. you know, and they can compete with you on a nightly basis with anyone. Uh, talk about your league. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm obviously biased. Sure. I think our league is great. Um, you know, I've been at a lot of different levels, um, you know, be it in the big South, be it in the Southern conference, be it, you know, Conference USA, New Conference USA, be it A10, uh, ACC. I've kind of been all over the map, um, you know, during my, my career, D2. Um, and, you know, the America East is a tremendous conference, a tremendous conference. And we're, we're at our, the height right now um, in terms of the investment that the, 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 the different, the respective members are making, you know, in their programs. The coaching is at an all-time high. I mean, we have great coaches in our league. Um, you know, I mean, you, you think back to Vermont, how they started the season. Obviously, they were, you know, probably in the top, call it the top 50 in the country. Sure. You know, going into the season, they opened the season at Kentucky, a very young team at the time for Coach Cal, and it was right down to the wire, you know, at, at Rupp Arena. It was a three- or four-point game, whatever it was. Um and, you know, they've, they've been the gold standard the last few years, you know, within our, within our conference. I mean, they've lost, they had four 
our game in the conference final, they had only lost one game, you know, in two years, you know, which is, which is amazing because the other teams are good right. <laughs> in our, in our league and uh, credit to coach Becker and his staff and his players. And, you know, I think, you know, it doesn't stop there. I mean, Will Brown's done an amazing job at, at Albany uh, Hartford got it going this year and coach Gow had a, had a great season, you know, there Jeff Bowles has done a tremendous job at, at Stony Brook, you know, in his first two seasons. Um, and then UMass Lowell, this was their first, you know, time, you know, being eligible, you know, from the move from D2 to, to D1. And they had an excellent, they were playing as good as anybody. We were down 11 at half to them, you know, in the first round of the tournament. Wow. And uh, we had to come back, you know, after half and, and we played lights out and were able to, to kind of win that one. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, very tough league night in and night out. And, you know, I, dad talks about it all the time. He says, I love your league. I mean, he says it, you yeah. know, probably twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, talk about I, I like the way uh, your conference actually runs their conference tournament. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it provides so much excitement and enthusiasm, you know, for the the playoff system. Um, you know, you have home court advantage. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, the teams that perform well in the regular season are rewarded. Right. You know, the top team is protected. You know, the team that, you know, we, we want our best team to go every year. Right. And uh, that's just, that's, that's the, what we all agree on. Uh, so that way, you know, we, we have a chance to have a moment like UMBC had this year. And certainly Vermont was deserving of, of going, uh, to the tournament, you know, this season. And, you know, our guys, you know, found a way, you know, in that particular game to, to win it. And then, you know, thankfully we put our best foot forward, you know, once we got to the tournament, it's great for the, great for the America East, great exposure. And, uh, you know, the, the crowds are, are very good. There's a lot of enthusiasm, you know, uh, for the, the games. Um, you know, I think our, our championship game is one of the most watched every year. You know, it, it is yep. a little bit of an odd time at 11 a.m. But that's why but, it's, people know, watch it's a, it. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why they watch it because it's the start of a great day of college basketball. I and, saw the whole know, damn with, thing, with boy. I tell you, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I love it. You know, I think it's, you know, our commissioner's tremendous. Um, Amy Huffhausen, I mean, she does a, an amazing job, you know, with, with our conference and, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, does, does a wonderful job. And I think all the, all the coaches certainly are in support of it. We like, we like how we do our playoff that, system. That, that's neat. All right, let's go just a couple of things. Uh, one of them is a, a dear friend of mine is Alan Major and yeah. uh, just a terrific guy. And, uh, and I remember, you know, of course, uh, you know, when he went there and putting his staff together and stuff, and then, uh, you know, was really sad and sorry and upset for him when he got sick and all. Uh, but what was it like to take over unexpectedly as a head coach? Yeah, I mean, that that was a tough moment, you know, because yeah. obviously our first and, you know, our, our thoughts were – primarily, you know, the entire team, the entire staff, you know, were with Coach Major and his health and making sure. sure that, you know, he was 
taken care of. So, I mean, I, our, our thoughts primarily were with that, you know, but obviously, you know, as in life, everything, I mean, life goes on and you have to, you know, try to, um, you know, our focus was let's, let's play for him. Let's coach for him. Let's do things as if he were still here and, you know, try to do it to the best of our ability to honor him. And, you know, that's really what we all tried to do. And, uh, you know, we had some success. We didn't have a ton. I mean, that's kind of the way it played out. And uh, anytime when your leader leaves like that, you know, it can be unsettling. And, uh, you know, I think that was that was clearly a, a, a situation where that that was a possibility. And but I thought our staff, you know, did a did a great job. Uh, not specifically talking about me. I'm talking about Orlando Vandross and Desmond Oliver. You know, both guys, one's at Virginia, the other's at Tennessee now, uh, both doing extremely well. Mark Biakoski was our operations guy at the time and is now with Coach Turgeon at, at Maryland. And, you know, I thought our guys, our staff did a really good job of staying connected with one another. And, you know, everybody had to step up in their own way. I mean, clearly I had to step up, you know, into the head coach role, but they had to step up as well. Their game in terms of their responsibility, because I was thrust into a new situation. I needed their help and they did an awesome job, you know, of, of supporting and our players, you know, each and every day. And, uh, so, I mean, I, we were obviously in constant contact with, with Alan, uh, in regards to the team and, you know, the, his, his, uh, overall health. And, uh, obviously, you know, as well as I do, Alan's doing, doing phenomenally well. And so we're all, you know, thankful, thankful for that. But, uh, you know, it was, it was an interesting time because I had two days, you know, I mean, he, he, I don't remember the exact days, but it was, all of a sudden he wasn't going to be able to be with the team any longer. And then we had to go to Western Kentucky and middle Tennessee on a, on a Thursday, Saturday or yeah, something. Something crazy. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Now, so now you, you, you've been uh, a high profile, you've been an assistant ACC. Now, you know, you're in a really good league, you know, with Charlotte. Uh, and all of a sudden you say, I want to be a head coach and you go to Lenore Ryan, which I'm familiar with, but tell us why. Yeah, it was a, it was a great opportunity. Number one, you know the the gentleman who hired me, uh, you know, had tremendous confidence in me. He believed in me, and I needed that at that that particular time because mm-hmm. you know the Charlotte situation. You know, it while it did, we we certainly didn't blow it out of the park, but we didn't we didn't fall on our faces either. We were probably somewhere in the middle. And, uh, you know, which, you know, can that ambiguity, you know, can can hurt you sometimes, you know, um, you know, ADs and and, you know, people that are in hiring situations, they want somebody that's knocked it out of the park, you know, not somebody that's just kind of treaded water. And we treaded water there. You know, let's call it what it is. And, uh, you know, Neil McGahee, terrific who, guy, you know, played at Lenore Ryan. Uh, that was his home. Uh, had gone on and done amazing things in in sports. Had a Hall of Fame career in in different sports: tennis, basketball. He's, I mean, he coached Duke, you know, for yeah. for a minute. Um, you know, had showed confidence in me and and went over there and and uh, you know 
got a chance to meet the players and, and meet all the folks there at that university. And, and I can confidently say I would not be where I'm at right now if it weren't for Neil McGahee and the players that I inherited, you know, that played for John Lentz, you know, there at Lenore Ryan. And they were trained, you know, John Lentz trained them immaculately. And he coached there for 28 years. Wow. And so I didn't have to do very much when I first went in there. They were, they were all ears and they had been coached and they knew that they, they just didn't know how to win because they were young. And we added a, a player from old dominion who transferred over, who was, you know, could have come in there and beat his chest and said, I'm coming from the big, you know, high major school and everybody else just fall in line. And he did the opposite. You know, he went in there, Keenan Palmore, I'm talking about, and said, I'm one of you. Let's let's do this thing together. And his play was incredible. And, you know, the guys that returned, the Will Perrys, the Rob Noyes, Billy Bales, Reed Lucas, you know, uh, you know, all the guys that we coached, you know, during that particular year, you know, they were all about one another. There was not a selfish bone in any of their bodies. And, you know, that team totally overachieved and, and did some great things. And, uh, you know, that, but then all of a sudden I was presented with, with this opportunity here. Let's, um, you know, th- I, I hate to say this about our profession, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the sad commentaries in college basketball. It doesn't happen in pro basketball, you know, because our contracts are totally different. You can't leave you're guaranteed and if you get fired they're paying you and you know but if someone else wants you they can't have you it's a really different deal you know (laughs) kind of like a contract's supposed to be but in college basketball college football especially um it's almost you're you know if you if you don't do well everyone's got you fired if you do well then everyone's got you leaving (laughs) you know you can't be happy in the moment of what you're doing almost you know uh, you can't stay somewhere if you have had success. You you yeah. need to go someplace better, you know. And, and it's really a sad commentary because some of the best places I've ever been are some of the least known places I've ever been, you know, uh, because I like the people. What helped you in making the decision to stay at UMBC? Yeah, I think it's the, the players, first and foremost, you know, the relationships that have been forged here. Um, I have great kids. I inherited, just like Lenore Ryan, I inherited some unbelievable kids from Aki Thomas and his ta- his staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we added some nice pieces that, that blended well with, with what was already here. Um, and, you know, the people, you know, the people, you know, certainly my AD, Tim Hall, you know, his support of me from day one, you know, when he hired me is, has, you know, I, I couldn't have asked, you know, for a more storybook situation. Uh, so him being here, you know, is a big reason. And then my president, you know, he's Dr. Rabowski is, you know, arguably the best president of any university in our country. And, uh, you know, he's in his 60s, probably, I would say. He might get mad that I said his age, but that's seems, probably about seems where like he is. Seems like he's in the prime of his life, if you're asking yeah, me. Yeah, he is. That's right. And, uh, you know, he's got an amazing story. I would encourage anybody out there that's listening to Google him, Dr. Freeman Rabowski. Uh, you know, he's he's well, he was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, and, uh, you know, went to Hampton University at a very young age. His parents were teachers. 
He was in jail with Martin Luther King at, at 12 years old with the Children's Peace March in Birmingham. Wow. And uh, he's an amazing mentor, not only for me, uh, but, you know, for our entire university. And, uh, you know, there's some stories out there that have happened throughout this season, you know, with his relationship with, you know, our players, you know, specifically Jairus Lyles, who, you know, was, you know, my leading scorer and arguably the best player on the team. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, he was one of the graduate transfer guys that could have left and decided not to do it, decided to stay here at UMBC and finish it out. And largely in part, you know, because of his players, or his teammates and his coaches, but it was, you know, a, a big part of it was his relationship with our president, wow. and the ability for him to, you know, have a lifelong relationship with him. And, and that's going to benefit him way past the sure. air coming out of that ball. Cause it's going to, it comes out of the ball for everybody. And that's, that's really what we do here at UMBC is, you know, we help guys grow while they're here. We help them do, we do our best to help them achieve their goals on and off the court. Uh, but mostly it's about training them and getting them ready and connecting them, which I think we do as well as anybody. And it, a lot of it has to do with, our president connecting them past, you know, college, you know, what, what do you want to do with your life? You know? And, um, you know, he, he's, he's been a tremendous mentor for me. So that's, that's a long winded way of saying it's the people here, you know, that, you know, gave me the confidence to stay, you know, we have a brand new arena I mean, I'm standing in my office right now and I've got window after window overlooking the university and it's beautiful. Wow. There's a lot lot to love (laughs) about here. Well, I'm glad I asked that question because I've never been on campus, uh, but I've known the school and, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for your success having known your family forever. And, uh, you know, and I know your folks are really proud (laughs) and, uh, and that's what it's about. And, uh, you know, you're living a dream uh, because, who would have ever known when you're sitting in Lenore Ryan three years ago or four or five years ago when you're at Charlotte going through that, what would happen? That's the fun part of a journey. And, uh, That's right. And, uh, and so, again, Ryan couldn't be happier. I'm so excited you took time because this story for our coaches, thousands and thousands of coaches, not just all over our country, but all over the world that listen to Coaching You podcast, this is a great story to tell, and this is why we coach. Thanks, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, As I said, a terrific young coach uh, has had a masterful ride working for some great people, some great opportunities, culminating with an opportunity. Two incredible years at UMBC, two fantastic 20-plus win seasons. Uh, This is a program on the rise. The America East Conference is a league on the rise. Uh, Remember now, Coaching you live, VIP experience, July 9 and 10. Sign up. As you sign up, you get to come to our weekly coaching call clinic uh, that I'll be doing from now up until uh, we start in July. So get involved. Go to coachingyoulive.com, sign up, and we'd look forward to visiting with you uh, on our weekly calls and then July 9 and 10 in Las Vegas. Until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Seri.